Hey everyone, Justine here. Just wanted to let you know this was recorded back in July of 2019. So any references to anything of from August 2019 to our current release date of September 2020, uh, we don't really address. There are bits when we talk about uh, the pound and some of the accent that I do have a little blurb there for you. Just wanted to let you know at the beginning that this was filmed, again, recorded, not filmed, July 2019. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, Disney's Folliers. We are pleased to be back with you, Ryan. Justine. Hi there. Hiya. Justine, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Lady and the Tramp. Lady and the Tramp, the summer dog-themed blockbuster. Mm -hmm. I assume it was a blockbuster. It was doing mm -hmm. well at the time, right? It was, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, Disney's first, um, not first animal-centric film, but no. first to deal with domesticated dogs, which he would return to in two movies with 101 Dalmatians. Yay, I can't mm -hmm. wait. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. I like, I mean, I like dogs very much, too. I I also. That's well, good. I like I like my dog. I believe your dog has made an appearance on the show before. She has. Dear old Nelly. She has. How's she holding up? She's good. Energetic she's as good. ever. She is. For this such, girl. For such an old gal, she's very very playful. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. She's the sweetest thing in the world. She's definitely she's she articulates herself perhaps at at uh, inappropriate moments. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, no, for for uh, an old gal, because dog years it's seven years per human year, which makes her what? I can't. Are you asking me to do math in the summer? <laughs> well, give me the other number and I'll it's do it for you. It's summer break! That's true. I think, That's true. I think she turns 14 this November. Okay. So very few humans have reached that milestone, yeah. I think. And uh, she's very playful. Mm -hmm. And she can still get up and downstairs. She's very, very sweet. Definitely. But she was not in Lady in the Tramp. No, she wasn't. Nor were my dogs. We had two as a kid. Two little cute pugs. I've always oh, liked yeah. little dogs. Yeah. And uh, currently my parents have another little dog that... Actually, one of our pugs was named Lady. Oh, that's uh, cute. After? Well, no, actually, after Lady Macbeth. And that's a funny story. I had a dream <laughs> when I was a second grader that we had a pug named Mac. Oh, and I wanted to name the pug Mac, but it was a girl, and that wasn't necessarily, you know, it didn't really fit. So. But you could name a girl Mac. You could. Oh, nowadays you can name anybody anything, and well, it's perfectly fine. You could have fine. back then, too. That's true. You could have, and we just, it wasn't celebrated. Mm. But, um... You know, so I'm sorry, uh, lady. But like Mackenzie, like Mac. That's true. I didn't think of Mackenzie. That's a cute name. Go back in time. Mm -hmm. I will. I will. There's, but so I'm traveling. Yeah. Save my dog from the wrong nomenclature. <laughs> That'll be good. But that's cute. I like the. I like the name, lady. And that my 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 point in saying that is just that I've always been really drawn to dogs like Lady in Lady and the Tramp. These cute mm, little mm -hmm. girls, and I. I, when we started watching, I automatically felt myself endeared in that way. Oh, yeah, for sure. It definitely felt more of a connection, this movie, than a lot of the World War II ones. But oh, yeah. But just, like, oh, yeah. just with the, to the dog characters. You know, another thing I was thinking of when we were watching it is that um, those World War II movies were some of the only ones that, you know, even if it's a fairy tale theme involving somewhat older characters, and Cinderella's still, like, pretty young and uh -huh. stuff like that, um, the theme of youth that Disney really likes uh, this is a movie essentially about adult dogs well kind of so they they get her and then when she finally gets her collar she's six months six old months, that's right so 
Um, I mean, it does mention, but the other two dogs, Jock and... Uh, uh, trusty. Trusty. Mm-hmm. I kept mm-hmm. calling him Bruno. Yes, Bruno! Quick, get Bruno! Get Bruno! Yeah. Because it looks so much like he is the Cinderella's same, dog. Isn't He's he? the same. <laughs> and I, like, those dogs are really big dogs. Those are too mm-hmm. big for me in real life. But mm-hmm. the cartoon ones are just, oh, oh I want to show back. The folds of skin that just go everywhere. Is it a bloodhound, right? Wanna, I think it's a bloodhound. Yeah, because it, it's about the sense of smell. And yeah. that was the whole thing. And yeah, bloodhounds are the tracking dogs. Um, but it's funny because, yeah, you do see Lady as a puppy. And she's super ass cute. But... It's essentially, once you get into the, the, the narrative with all the others, it's about sort of grown-up dogs having more or less grown-up problems. Yeah. And so it's kind of an, an interesting movie. Uh, it's got that great intro that sort of dedicate this, mm. dedicates it to, to dogs. To all dogs. World. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was so cute. I almost, uh, I, we'll probably go back and take a screenshot of that and put it up oh, somewhere. Oh, most certainly, most certainly. It's um, so cute. And that great quote about something about how the one thing that money can't buy is the wag of a dog's tail. Yeah. <laughs> but then I was like, uh, Nelly eats a lot of human food. And so like. Yeah, it's an expense. Uh, yeah. Either way. The dog is responding. <laughs> and, you know, dogs are just as subject to the capitalistic, you know, constraints as, yeah. as everybody else. But. But it's it's a cute thing because it's true that at the end of the day, dogs are a uniquely, um, they're, they're as a species go, they're uniquely happy to be around humans. They really are, and they can really heal. As I'm sure almost all of you know, they can heal a soul. Just yeah, by looking well, at that's you why and, there's support. Well, I know there's lots of different support things that mm. people are joking about bringing on airlines now, but <laughs> that's why there's service dogs and not service snakes or service cats or service right. birds. Just a little bit more reliable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All, I think all, if we're going to a Harry Potter, all dogs, no matter how, no matter what breed, are right. Hufflepuff. In are some, Hufflepuff. Or some, they're just loyal AF, all that's dogs. That's true. No, I, I agree with you. You can make that generalization. <laughs> they might have a little tendency, offended. right. They might have a little tendency. One might be braver, like a bloodhound or mm-hmm. a little bit sneaky or oh, whatnot. Yeah. But I feel like, just in the same way, I feel like all cl- cats are Slytherin. <laughs> You're right. Essentially self-interested, right. ultimately cunning, you know, yeah. clever, but not necessarily in a good way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this, this, this that's my hot game. take. That's my hot take. Yeah. Well, it's just are, those two. Like, Harry Potter birds, birds, I don't uh, know which. Oh, there's too many birds. Can be, well, birds are smart, though. I they guess are. like Ravenclaws. Like, they well, it depends on the bird. Dinosaurs, right? Yeah, so we've talked and we've talked about too. birds on this podcast before. So. Oh, that's true. Because um, we had some bird movies. So this movie came out in 1955 55. in June or July? June, June. I read. Yesterday. June. Okay, so a month before Disneyland opened, because Disneyland opened in July, either 17th or 19th mm. of 1955. I, mm. I don't know my date. It's around there that it opened. I just okay. Because opening day, the story goes, you know, everyone's dressed to the nines because it's like, that's how people dress back then too, and that's why yeah. there's dapper days in Disneyland and Disney World. If you're not sure what that is, there's... Plenty of other podcasts where you can find out about Dapper Days. Um, I really want to participate in one one time, but probably not this time of year, July, like we're recording in now, because it was so hot in Anaheim that the women's and the the park wasn't 100% finished yet, that their heels were sinking into the tar Mm -hmm. Mm because it was so hot. So What an image. What an image. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I would kill for some, like, tar-stuck... I wish there were some like tar, like heels with tar, and I'm sure there were fixed up. You know what I mean? <laughs> like in museums, like from like heels that have the original Disneyland tar. Yeah, right. Oh yeah. my gosh, that would be great. I'm sure there is I somewhere. You, I, I'm I, sure, or like some lady never cleaned off her shoe. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, because she was just so enchanted by the whole thing. Mm. That's the funny thing, because you still imagine that even though it's so poetic that it was such a disastrous first day. Quote, it unquote, really was. You gotta imagine a lot of people still had a really good time. Yeah, and had their minds blown. Yeah, I'm sure stuff, they did. So. I'm sure they did. Um, any other intro? 
stuff for the film. I mean, if you guys haven't, like, definitely check this one out. It's a relatively short movie. I think it's about 80 minutes or so. Yeah, it's it's actually oh, um, gosh, it's super concise, especially at the end. Yeah, and I think, you know, go. it's very, very cute and very, very... Um, well, we'll get into more of, like, how they made it and everything. Right. Well, just a really a, pretty film. It is. Oh, my gosh. It's such a pretty Not film. Not as pretty as Bambi with, with Wong. Mm. Right? It was Wong? I Tyrus, don't remember his name. Tyrus. That, I think that sounds right. Tyrus um, Wong. Yeah, yeah. Not as pretty a background, but still a solid background. And we'll talk about A little less a impressionistic, but definitely beautiful in ways that you don't think about when you see all the shots of the dogs foregrounded. And also, right, yeah. this movie is one that... <laughs> Neither of us had seen it in a long time, right? I don't think I've ever... Watching it last night, I don't think I've ever seen the whole movie. Wow. I don't think I ever saw it before. What, what, how I remember it as a kid is we had a cassette in our car. Mm-hmm. Go look it up if you're under that age. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I don't know how to explain the mechanics of a cassette to you. You used to have a stick of pencil in something. Yeah. And, turn and it, so and, the yeah. one we had that we played all the time was this, like, one of Disney songs. And it had the song from Bambi, Drip, Drip, Drop, Little April mm. Flowers. And it also had uh, the Siamese song, which, yes, we will cover all of the atrocities with that. Yes. Atrocities, excuse me. But, so I remember hearing those two songs, and then I... So, or hearing that song, excuse me, and I don't think Tramp was on there, or He's a Tramp was on that, or it could mm. have been on, like, a We Sing Silly, mm. but I don't remember watching that scene a whole bunch, so it must have been on the other side of that tape as well. It was probably a tape of, like, this, you know, golden era of Disney, like, I'm pretty yeah. sure Cinderella songs were on there, so it was probably, like, those kind of songs were yeah. on this kind of tape, and they just categorized it that way. I... I know I have it somewhere. Have, I haven't played it in forever, and I know that if I can find it, I'll record it. There's mm. a little bit of me, and I guess we're at a party, and it, I made my mom put it on, <laughs> and someone's elbow bumps into like the record button on accident. So I guess, it, but I guess it didn't have that protection, and oh. so you hear little like five year old me go, "Is it off?" Because I was like, <laughs> "That's wonderful." I was like, "Like someone turned off my Disney," and it's like in the middle of one of the songs, and it's, oh wow, is it off? They sound just like Snow White in it. That's, it's so yeah, cute. Yeah, and now that's that's terrific. Um, wow. So if I can find that tape and a subsequent tape player, that would be a cool little here it is. Thing to see. And if not, I'm just gonna do it again. Here, yeah. Is it off? <laughs> uh, what I'll say is one of my favorite parts of the Disney's Follies experience is when we watch these movies, and even if you or Aaron are you know you don't necessarily like the movie, or you haven't seen it in a while, or you're not that familiar with it, I feel like every time a song comes on, you know all the words, mm-hmm. and you sing them in your beautiful lilting voices, mm-hmm. and it's just like Thank it's, you. it's wonderful to. To hear that. It's because of the We Sing, or not the We Sing, but like the mm-hmm. Disney Sing All those tapes. tapes, that's right, because we there were so many tapes that were just songs from mm-hmm. movies. But like I said, movie. I don't think that one we had, that must have been an actual cassette, mm-hmm. not a VHS, because I don't remember watching that scene, because yeah. what it would do is play it with the music from there. But it's interesting what you're saying about not remembering it, uh, or, or not knowing if you'd seen it all the way, because um, you know this this was in our set of the VHSs I always bring out. We had mm-hmm. our little Disney library, mm-hmm. all the cassettes, and... Um, you know, some of these movies I remember really, really well. Cinderella, Same. for instance, the scenes, all of them stick oh, in my me mind. Too. Do you know me what I too. mean? Me too. And yeah, with this one, there must have been something about it that didn't hold attention as well because it was not as familiar to me. Yeah. Although I haven't rewatched it as much. It just simply wasn't. Yeah, and I don't know why, because it is very, very cute. And it's I wonder. It's no worse, yeah. But I, the one, the 101 Dalmatians in a couple movies coming up, I can remember watching that. I want to say, like, I feel like daily. Like, mm. I, like, you know, I remember, like, oh, yeah, this is the dog and this owner, and they look like how, like, I oh, remember yeah. that, oh, like, yeah. I remember that movie. I watched that one. So maybe, like, and we weren't dog people growing up, so maybe mm. that was, like, uh, 101 Dalmatians is our Disney dog yeah. movie. Yeah. 
Well, I was thinking, too, that, you know, where Lady and the Tramp deals very much kind of with, like, the dog-specific experience and is very sweet and cute and wholesome in that Disney way, albeit beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, 101 Dalmatians, you know, top of the 1960s, is very zippy. It's yeah. very comical. It's very, yeah. The dogs are almost even a little bit more kind of anthropomorphic. Pomorphite yes, and all that, yeah. so it's a very different dog well, movie, and that's and that's true because yeah. it's like um, this one. Although it's even though it's made in the fifties, mm-hmm. it was set in Victorian times. That's true. Where Dalmatians was kind of made contemporarily, yeah, something contemporarily, like that, or at least later word. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whenever that movie came out, it, it's it feels very stylized in the mm-hmm. late fifties, early sixties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, so, has, it has a modern, feel which I've it. always been drawn to as a personal aesthetic. So mm-hmm. maybe that's. Either that's what caused it, or that's why that was the one that was always in rotation. I'm the oldest of the sisters, so I was probably like, nah, I want to watch one. And I, like I said, I've talked about this VCR thing that my grandfather yeah. got us, where we would just, it would rewind it for you, so you could, like, immediately watch another movie. You don't, yeah. you so I'm sure it was a rotation of, like, 101 and Little Mermaid. Like, okay, put this one in the rewinder, let's watch Little Mermaid, right. and then switch, or right, something. Because, right. like, but 101 Dalmatians, I remember watching more than... I don't, like I said, I don't think I've ever watched Lady in the Tramp. Yeah, and this is what's ma- what it's making me think of, is the fact that, you know... I forget the key component of watching Disney movies as a kid is that your parents are putting them on for you. Right. And then when you're younger, sometimes it is a very strategic distraction Mm -hmm. and they are making the choice and how much that plays a part into the Disney experience we had. Well, and they're buying them for you. They are buying them for you. You're not the one with the... You don't have them unless your parents bring them home and choose them for you. And so, so, I mean, I would do the same thing. Like, if I'm not a huge fan of, you know, I'll probably... Well, now I'm trying to collect them digitally. It's a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. And who knows if... If when I ever have kids, if I ever have kids, if what platform people will be watching them mm-hmm. on. But like, because of this podcast, I've collected a lot more than I would have before. Mm-hmm. Like, I probably wouldn't have gone out and bought Dumbo, but I have it now, so mm-hmm. that's really nice. And so yeah. I'll probably watch that one. But if I'm just picking out my favorites, like, I mean, as much as I like Snow White, we're probably not going to be a, in a heavy rotation in the household. Sure. No, <laughs> you I know mean, what that's I mean. That's one that you could replay in your head enough and that kind of thing too. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. All right, so so let's get into, I guess, a little bit of how this this movie came together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the source material is not, and this is this is one of those things that's a little conspicuous. You know, yeah. Disney's often drawing on very famous source material, often sourced from European fairy tales. The Lady and the Tramp has really been a fun picture to make. It was an original story to start with, and as we made the picture and got to know the characters, we kept getting new ideas. I honestly don't know much about the story. I don't really know the historical record of, of the movie. Well, you'll have to ask somebody who knows the picture real well. It's especially difficult now to find out the truth because it was made so long ago. What we really do know for sure is that the story of Lady and the Tramp started in the late 1930s with the legendary Joe Grant. It starts with Joe Grant, mm-hmm. who was working for Disney at the time. So, um, well, mm-hmm. when, when were they working on Lady and the Tramp? Well, my understanding is that they be... Okay, my understanding is that Joe Grant... Hey, Disney's Valley's fans. Not really sure what happened to this bit of audio. Uh, Ryan, I promise I'm not trying to edit you out. Uh, I guess I just maybe over-recorded it or something. Basically, um, this Joe Grant was an animator back, back in the Snow White days. He actually worked on the Evil Hag back on Snow White. And he had this dog and... The story goes Walt was over for dinner one evening, and he's like, oh, why don't you write up a storyboard about that? And so there was kind of like already inklings of the storyboard going on all the way back to Snow White time. However, by the time Lady and the Tramp was actually released, Joe Grant was no longer at the studios. That's about the gist of it. Back to the regularly co-edited podcast. Thanks. 
And we'll just go ahead and relay the story. The Disney historians have some debate as to the details of this, and it's very cute to watch them, mm-hmm. them argue over the minutia. But um, not a cocker spaniel, but a different kind of spaniel. I feel like Spangler or something. It's, the word's not coming to me. But um, he had a spaniel. Springer spaniel. A Springer spaniel. A nice little spotty-looking dog that you can tell wouldn't have been as cute as Lady. They had a baby as well, Joe Grant and his wife, and... Joe Grant got the inspiration that the, for an idea that the Spaniel felt displaced by the baby and animated a little Spaniel. Yeah, a little storyboard thing. He and his wife um, had a Cocker Spaniel. A Springer Spaniel? Cocker Spaniel. Right? A Springer Spaniel. Springer Spaniel. Cocker Spaniel named Lady. Just to set the record straight, Joe's dog was a Springer Spaniel, white and brown all over. Lady is a Cocker Spaniel. She's honey colored all over. Yeah, Walt said she was too sweet-natured a character to create conflict, which I thought was a very unusual criticism to hear from yeah. Walt. I mean, he didn't like Alice in Alice in Wonderland because she felt like she wasn't likable enough or endearing enough. Yeah. And so, but he apparently found... But this is before Alice, though, that's too. That's true. So and he may have changed his, his criteria. So they kind of put, put it off to the side for a bit and started working on other things mm-hmm. and, you know, and then the war and yada yada. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think by this point... When it when drawings and the storyboard had resurfaced, Joe Grant had already left Walt Disney Animation. Yeah, he leaves around the time that they're starting to sort of retool the idea, and this is shortly after um, Disney's thumbing through a magazine, and he he gets this he finds this story by this obscure writer Ward Green called Happy Dan and the Cynical oh, Dog, yeah. uh-huh. and this is like this is like such a one plus one type story. He's like, oh, here's a dog character. That's a contrast to Lady. Mm-hmm. So he actually approaches the the writer, Ward Green, and says, you know, we may want to kind of oh, work with this. I think the quote was, like, let me get your dog and my dog. Yeah, my me. dog together. Like it exactly. was like a breeding situation. Oh, and it's funny in that quote, too, because when he says my dog, there's so much controversy over the fact that yes. Joe Grant... this is Joe Grant's property, and yeah. um, it wasn't until about the late mid-2000s that it was actually recognized that it was Joe Grant's mm-hmm. idea and property. He was property, not so. properly credited because of just the weird... And you, it's funny how you think about it. It reminded me of Ratatouille. I don't know if you remember back when Ratatouille came out, there was a lot of brouhaha because the original designer and creator of the, the movie, it was the first time Pixar, I think, fired a director. Oof. And this was the... At the time, it was sort of like, well, you know, our quality control is so insane that mm-hmm. even if it's your idea, if you can't put the movie together... It's not going to be your movie. Wow. And so, I mean, I don't know if Joe Grant was like, I mean, he wasn't one of the Nile men, and he wasn't no. one of the directors, but... But it was his idea. It was. Where it sprang from, at least. And so, he was with Disney for a while, I yeah. believe. He was and with I don't know where he left or where he went to after mm-hmm. that, but, um, Ended up yeah. Someplace. So just, you know, for Disney, for all the great things he did do, he was a shrewd businessman. That's one way to put it. <laughs> I think uh, perhaps he's the kind of mind where... And he's employing so many people, it's hard for him to delegate uh, credit in a yeah, for, in for an sure, a perfectly a appropriate way. I think that's probably the best um, whitewash way to say it. Yeah, I guess. But you know, any yeah. any idea developed under his umbrella is therefore his idea. What's beautiful, is, of course, is now in the internet age. You know, now we know everything. Yeah, who did all the stuff anyway? So nobody yeah, can take so, credit away from anybody. But um, right. But another important person that was working on this film, whose stamp is all over it, that left during production was Ms. Mary Blair. She left during production. She left during production to become a children's book illustrator. Oh, I didn't know that. That's what I read. That's what I read yesterday. Huh. However, um, and they go through this definitely very much in the accompanying behind the scenes documentary. The backgrounds for that gorgeous 
Oh. Gorgeous park romp scene are pretty much directly taken from a number of vivid, impressionistic, glorious, classic Mary Blair storyboards mm-hmm. that uh, she gave him. And it's a part of the movie where the style of animation does kind of depart. Um, now, actually, I understand that her her stamp is even more over Sleeping Beauty, so I'm not sure what yeah. the story well, is I'm there. Just because the beginning of... 101 Dalmatians, like, the title sequence just seems so Mary Blair, if mm. I'm remembering, remembering it correctly. Very, it's kind of like the beginning for Monsters, Inc., with that very, like, sure. mod colors, and sure. so that's interesting. And then the fact that she did the mural for the Contemporary Resort, she didn't open it until the 70s, mm. so she must have not the relationship cut. continued. Sure, but I'm just wondering, or maybe, and so maybe she left on her own accord then, mm. um... That's just interesting, huh? Yeah, it didn't say she was let go, but that she, she had aspirations to become a children's book illustrator. And yeah. I actually kind of wonder, like, which children's books I read or found in grandparents' or parents' houses growing up that were by her. Because that style yeah. feels like it's been around all my life, you know? Probably you, yeah, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. same. So, that's interesting. Um, the other fellow that I want to mention is Claude Coates. And then also also our good uh, one of the nine old men, Frank Thomas. Mm-hmm. These are the two other key tidbits about the animation that I read, which is that Claude Coates was very big in the involvement as far as the backgrounding and all this other stuff. And Claude Coates, actually known as the Gentle Giant, who's six foot six oh, around wow. Disney Dang. Studios, he left to become an Imagineer and was cool. very heavily involved in the development of a lot of Disneyland projects. Awesome. So those are the big names. And then Frank Thomas, just real quick, because Frank uh. Thomas is the one nine old man that I think has a very a, a super, I mean, you could go through, you know, who did what character, but you could find that on your own. The super significant contribution is that spaghetti scene. Yeah. We all know the scene. Disney was skeptical of the logistics, and Frank Thomas essentially, I guess, got fed up with Disney's resistance, animated the whole thing himself on a storyboard, and showed him, and Disney was like, well, okay. Yeah. You did it. Great. So, good for you, Frank. Great, great, great. And, and then just, like, the, the work that we were watching on the documentary that he put into, like, his his son was showing like these like uh, old you know projector films of like hours and hours of studying mm. dogs and their movement so that That's they can right. get this this shift right and the the current animators were saying like it's very important because like this shoulder will go up to show where all the weight is on the mm. rest of his body and how they walk and how this per- dog walks and how this per- dog growls. Lady and the Tramp had the animation crew at a point where I don't want to say at their peak because they did fantastic things afterwards but their work had gotten so refined by the mid-50s, that could really animate anything beautifully, anything. Oh. I love the animation in this film because it's so absurd. Looking at dogs, the way they're rolling around and laying, you know, everyone who has dogs knows those poses. That's what dogs do. The movie is shot from ladies' point of view or from a dog's point of view for the most part, that they are built these, like, models, mm-hmm. like, actual models of the... Darling, not the darling household of the of ladies owners household, mm-hmm. and then just put the camera down as if it was from ladies' point of view, so they could kind of see the stairs and everything. And it's just, I was like, wow, that's a lot of extra work. But then they were saying, like, you know, it's the same thing that you would do on a computer nowadays, but they just actually built it, right. which I feel like is more work because on the computer you could just be like, okay, I want this wall over here as well. So just like control copy, control copy. Once you make it, you know what yeah, I mean? Damn as opposed straight, it's more work. Damn straight. As opposed to building an actual model of it, which Jesus. I was just like, wow. I was just so impressed by the amount of of work and study. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this was like Walt's influence or not, but just because of his early days of like them studying 
live actors and and mm-hmm. not sketching the live actors, but you know, using them for models and whatnot, mm-hmm. and just having that attention to detail and immersiveness and I just mm-hmm. thought was really great. When it occurred to me how innovative it is to do a movie that it, that really is. It is all from those low angles. It is mm-hmm. all in that low perspective. You really feel that watching yeah, a movie. Yeah, you do. And that's that's super innovative. I mean, it wasn't like there was a live action movie from a dog's perspective beforehand no. or a kid's. <laughs> there were certainly interesting camera work, you know, stuff everywhere. And the cinematographers had been innovative for a long time and with Dutch angles and odd angles, but an animated movie from a purely low perspective yeah. it's exploring those things and that's why challenge. you never see or you barely see uh john deere or darling's mm-hmm. faces or any uh, the i think the only really human face you see a bunch is aunt sarah mm-hmm. and you see you see why they picked her um and verna felton of course gives a you know classic uh-huh. performance classic. but i love i always in anything and peanuts and anything love the effect of not seeing the adults mm-hmm. or not seeing the authority mm-hmm. i love when you can use that i always think that's a really interesting uh, just stylistic choice. Yeah, That's I agree. Cool. I agree. Uh, another thing about the impressiveness is CinemaScope was kind of a new mm. theatrical technology that mm-hmm. they were unveiling. And so Walt, of course, always wanted to do the latest and greatest, was like really pushing to get this film in CinemaScope, which basically is just like widescreen. It's like a special, yeah, super so, special. Um, so they animated these longer background scenes or not animated, created these longer background cells, and then the animators were getting used to trying to fit more than one character in the scene at the time so that they could utilize it. And you get these really gorgeous backgrounds that were, like, detailed. And apparently, and I didn't realize this, apparently it's he based this town off of Marceline. So it snows there, so maybe, I'm sure it snows in Missouri, I'm not 100% sure, but... Um, Do all of our listeners know Marceline's significance? Okay, so Marceline is not the town where Walt was born. Walt was born in Chicago, but it's the town where he considers his hometown. It's the town he grew up in. Mm. Um, and so it, he just always, you know, waxes poetic about Marceline. Very picturesque, very quaint. Yeah, if you've visited at least land or world, the, the whole Main Street USA is kind of a recollection of how he pictured and how he remembered Marceline growing up, combined with um, one of his other Imagineers, I forget who, who grew up in Breckenridge, Colorado, that had a similar kind of mm. Main Street feel. So they kind of combined, well, this was in mine, was this in yours kind of a thing, and made their, their Main Street very Marceline slash Breckenridge mm. Adjacent. It's yeah, an it's just choice to have Lady in the Tramp be. Seven and I never realized that again because yeah, I don't think either. I've ever seen the movie. And yeah. so, I know you see a little like obviously because of the snow in January and December when the calendar's flipping when um, Lady finds out that Darling is expecting. There's a bunch of snow, so and it's heavy snow, so it's clearly somewhere north. And then you see like the husband hanging up the Yale sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's like, "Do you think we'll know what it is?" And the woman, the darling, is writing the girl's name. She's like, "Well, I don't know." And so the they're somewhere in the proximity to Yale. So I was thinking it was actually more like northeast, but yeah. and if, if if Walt says it's based on Marceline, it's based on Marceline. But it's just the pretty Victorian houses. Yeah. Like it's just. It's it just a beautiful to his background. old timey nostalgia yeah. very much. And, and then uh, it wouldn't be a Disney theatrical new thing if there wasn't complications. So, of course, the theaters were not all theaters were. Well, first, he like decided almost halfway through to do it in CinemaScope. So they had to reanimate some of the backgrounds and, and, you know, elongate them. And then half the most of the cinemas were not equipped with that camera because I think it's just the switch of a lens. It's 
I, for the projector? I'm not going to try to guess. I'm not sure. <laughs> but they weren't This equi- is for our cinematographers <laughs> yeah. and our, our aspect ratio heads. And they weren't that. equipped with the that yet, so then animators had to go back and fix the aspect ratio for some... So, of course... But all that being said, this was the highest grossing film either it matched Snow White or since Snow White. Oh. So this was, was a, a big huge asset. success for the Walt Disney Company. Mm. And I don't know if that's also because people were excited about the parks. They were like, ooh, new park, new movie, like Disney's coming up again. But this was mm. a huge box office success. And we haven't had one of those in a while. Sure. Although although it's been sort of a lucky streak. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Yeah. No, the, big, like big that, this was, that this was either tied or very close to Snow White. It mm-hmm. was on that caliber of success. Well, so that's, that's cool. pretty... I gotta say, what's interesting about the Cinemascope thing, what I do know about Cinemascope is the first movie shot in it, I think I'm right about this, is a movie called The Robe, a famously boring, like, gladiator epic. And the Mm. thing about Cinemascope is, like, it's supposed to be for these big, broad, kind of, like, vast landscapes in different countries or historical things or giant sets. And uh, it's funny to think of Walt making the switch... For a movie that, while undeniably gorgeously beautiful, is a very small scale movie. But we were like we were saying with the dog perspective too. Mm-hmm. It has to seem bigger because we're seeing it from a lower oh, well, sure. yeah. point, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, lower no, uh, eye line. That's true. Well, it certainly is a gorgeous. It gorgeous really, movie. it really is. I, I didn't expect it to be this gorgeous. Since we're talking, no, I didn't either. Oh my gosh, I know it, you were like, like you were saying, I mean, it's just like it's like in 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 Dumbo or Bambi where you've got the gorgeous skies well, and stuff. But I, but in like Dumbo. There's definitely, like, you could tell, like, people oh, yeah. are rushed. No, Things were right. rushed. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and this is not this, like that. This so, wasn't. Yeah. No, and no. I was expecting that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is no quickie on Walt's part. For so sure. is this also the second one? So it's the second one that's kind of based on, quote-unquote, their own source material. Like, so Dumbo was like kind of based on something else. Material. Yeah, it was somebody else's story that basically nobody would really remember it if Disney didn't snap it up. And then this one, they kind of made it up on their... Oh, it was oh, in yeah. it was in house made, and so there mm-hmm. is a book about Lady and the Tramp, but the person right. the person that wrote the story did a novelization that Disney commissioned. Yeah, so that, that came would, out years before the movie, so that it got people excited about it, which is probably goes to some of its success. Well, but, that's really interesting too. I've not heard of that Walt planting characters in people's minds before the actual movie that they love them for. Yeah. But it's a cool idea, but it's just not really done. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, they developed the Tramp character. We They went through some funny X names. Oh, yeah. Which, like Homer, Bozo. Bozo, yeah, exactly. Silly. So really and like, there was definitely like, oh, we're going to call it Tramp? Like, that has some different... Con- like, that has right. some... Could be scandalous connotations to it, but Walt... I mean, it's a funny title, because the song, The Lady is a Tramp, existed prior to the film. Um, right, but it had like... It was. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like a kids' movie title. Joke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and nowadays, like we don't think of it. We don't think twice. No, about Lady and the Tramp, especially because no. Tramp is such an old timey word. I mean, when they said, "Oh, we're worried about it," I mean, then I made the connection. When I thought of the song, but then I was like, "Oh, I mean, it's still like." What are the offensive terms for indigent folks? What are the offensive terms for homeless folks? I don't know. Yeah. But I guess Tramp is a little. Yeah. Hey, there's that great song by Otis Redding and Carla Tom- and <sighs> Thomas and. Tramp. What you call me? Tramp. You, you don't wear continental clothes or Stetson hats. He's a lovable scamp, the tramp. Oh, speaking mm-hmm. of, they spun off one of their kids at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert, we always do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, into a character called Scamp that apparently had a very long life. And um, the guy that wrote the story for Lady and the Tramp, uh, what he did was he, he worked for... Um, a syndicate that did cartoons for a lot of magazines. And so hmm. he would write for comic strips and stuff. And oh, he actually cool. ended up writing for a comic strip based on ladies. 
Scamp? Uh, yeah, Scamp. And so, the little boy yep, at the end. Yep. So this was so, very good oh, for Wolverine. Speaking of uh, spoilers, not really, because every trailer that showed Lady and the Tramp showed them having puppies at the <laughs> <Yes>. end. <laughs> I also just love the genetics of, like, this is the boy, because uh-huh. it's the exact same, and then this is, like, that's how, yeah, that's how those genetics show would us work. Some, like, you know, cross... No well, that would be there. weird. Yeah. And then another thing, we were watching, like, I'm assuming a restored version, so Tramp's coloring is all over the place oh in this. Oh, my gosh. Well, he's beige, he's dark gray. It's it's kind right. of a I gotta, I gotta talk about that. Because this was the first time I was like, okay, this movie looks so painfully vivid that I know this didn't look like that when it came out. Right. And I finally, like, find, I, I answered a technical question that I typically have not really had enough interest in or been too lazy to look up, which is, what exactly do they do? When they restore these, oh yeah, movies. we've asked that before, we've, and and so I looked up, and a no one's responded. Thing. What? So yeah, no come one, on, guys, yeah, pick it up. We'll have <laughs> you on. You can just take fifteen minutes and say it. Sure, yeah. yeah. But like, um, okay, so I I just I found a couple things, and so I can't speak to this technically, but basically they're trying to remove grain and damage from the film. Now they have some examples that I guess somebody that's very in on animation or a Disney historian type person, he provided examples on Twitter where they where he says, "Okay, so for example, on Cinderella, they have scrubbed the grain so much that they've removed some of the original line work from the drawings." Oh god. Now that he shows oh, a still from an original Cinderella versus a still from the new Cinderella where Cinderella's walking down the stairs in her ball gown and you see all these folds in her dress. Yeah. And the lines that represent the folds are completely <gasps> gone in the restored version. Oh god. And you can kind of tell and it's unfortunate because guys it's the same with music, it's the same with anything. It's like as we're trying to preserve these things, we kind of have to use technology to update it. What I hate about the Disney restorations is it looks like people are trying to make them look new for news sake mm, mm-hmm. and that's not why i want to watch a classic no, disney movie same. i want to see it with all its original whatnot so yeah so Oof. that's a curious question and hopefully you know these movies get preserved properly but you know there are a lot of no, people out there there's a lot of disney artifacts that are just were are not stored properly you think that they would be but they're not so it's mm, like speaks to the impermanence i know we've mentioned jim corcus before and i can't remember a specific example but I was, I was listening to another podcast with him on it recently and it was saying like yeah like they were they would ship stuff off and then like it got misplaced even though it was this and they they yeah it's just it's heartbreaking yeah well it's nothing i mean i get there. there's only so much space in the world only so much technology and everything that and everything that Disney touched can't be like ah, like I I get that but there will come a time when it's 500 years since Disney and who knows how he'll be treated if it'll be like Shakespeare and even Shakespeare getting the texts finding out information it's been hard for historians and all the people that are working hard to keep it safe so what I will say is let's let's friggin click our glass to all the historians and artifact protectors yeah I would love to do a job like that so Mm -hmm. Hey, if you have any openings, yeah, <laughs> that's right. another thing you could send us yeah, for a geez, job like that. Nice. That would be That would be amazing. We would, would just, take it seriously. Yeah, we really would. Um, yeah, we uh, wouldn't drink on the job just because we drink nowadays. No, so. that's true. No, that's absolutely true. This is, per, per, this is all off-hours stuff, all extracurricular. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, why don't we talk about the characters, and why don't we start with the one that leads directly into what little we can say about the music. Okay. Peggy Lee. Peggy Lee. So there are a number of folks in this movie, but we'll talk about Peggy Lee. Because yeah, she's Peggy the biggest Lee, name. She's the biggest name, a uh, big hit singer around the time. Various songs you guys know, Black Coffee, uh, the, the famous version of Fever that mm. she rewrote lyrics to. And actually, Peggy Lee was a writer as well as a singer. So she Fever? co-wrote... What? I was just saying Fever. Oh, like oh, Fever. She, Sorry. <laughs> Fever, baby, you're my friend. But my uh, favorite but, one is like the, the, with the break, and then it's like, Fever! Yep. 
Oh yes, that's most. It's cla- and that's a song that you know so many people have done, you know, to perfection. Yeah, but she just does it the best. When her daddy tried to kill him, she said, "Daddy, oh, don't you dare give me fever." With his kisses, fever when he holds me tight. Fever. She's 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 got this beautiful, sultry, smoky voice, mm-hmm. exploited. You know, oh, to sure. the nth in this but movie. But she wrote the songs for this she movie. She did. She co-wrote the songs with one of her collaborators that she wrote some of her famous songs with. And mm-hmm. so she, not only did she have a big stamp creatively on this movie in that sense, and not just voice the one dog, but voice three other uh, side characters in the mm-hmm. thing. What a dog. Yeah. Tell us about it, Peg. What a dog. Peg used to be in the dog and pony follies. <laughs> He's a tramp. But they love him Breaks a new heart Every day He's a tramp They adore him And I only hope he'll stay that way Disney began reissuing this movie. She sued them because she said that she had the rights to transcriptions of those musics and, and argued that uh, they constituted transcriptions. Reasons. Yeah, and but obviously when that contract was made, it like things like VHSs weren't like it was a kind of a debate on like what constitutes a transcription. Yeah, and then like our VHSs included, and they ended up being so. Well, she did this. win. She did win. She did win and get awarded some, so, some stuff there. So which is good and then also she has a good influence for it as well. Spoiler alert: <laughs> she thought the whole scene with uh, at the very end of the movie when Trusty and Jock are rescuing Tramp, and that Trusty gets hit by the wheel. I mean, it looks. Looks like Trusty is unfortunately a goner that he sacrificed mm-hmm. himself and you what know, with the whale on on Jack's part and everything like it's, that. It's I mean. very clear that this was maybe the end for our our adorable Western Trusty. Yeah, Peggy Lee said that was way too sad, and Walt agreed that he did not want another Bambi kind of situation on his mm-hmm. hands, and so he decided to have Trusty come in at Christmas with like a broken leg instead. Yeah. Yeah. But it. That was not original. She kind of fought for that, and and Walt kind of, well, okay, yeah, if this is the reaction I'm getting. But originally, Trusty was supposed to not mm-hmm. uh, survive live. The, the crash. Now, th- so, this, which you wonder so, how the story would have wrapped up. But um, that, that's one of I the most... I feel like it would have been sadder than Bambi. That's true. I, I think on some level. Bambi, at least you know what you're getting into when you do the thing. I guess this, so. In this yeah, movie, and, that's yeah, abrupt. Well, and I wonder, like, if this had been... If this had stayed that same, be like, oh, don't even watch Lamb right, and Tramp. Right, right. It's so sad. Like an old yeller type situation. Oh, God, yeah. Which, which is I've the never classic. seen because it's Right. Everybody golden. knows. If you want to see a dog get shot, watch old yeller. No, I Otherwise, don't want to watch. Yeah. I don't ever want to watch that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, so we have Peggy Lee to thank for that as well. That's one of the most consequential decisions uh, any non-Disney staffer seems to have, like, yeah, ways that they've influenced a movie. Yeah, on Disney's part. And, you know, Disney, of course, was was not always inclined to take somebody else's thing first. No, so. but I think because she said her and her children had parts with it, I think yeah. that's really what kind of oh, drove yeah. it home. That so, was the way. So music. the other... Well, well, yeah. yeah, well, the music, yeah, let's, let's wrap that bit up because um, one other thing I want to mention, and the song, I mean, the songs are, of course, wonderful. I mean, that nice jazzy edge. Yeah. That's a new kind of thing for Disney to yeah, have that little is. bit of a it thing. Is. So we, we also have Peggy Lee to thank for that. Uh, this was the last Disney movie worked on by a fellow that has scored... Just about every Disney movie we've talked about, Oliver Wallace. Oh wow! He was uh, he was a fellow that did the uh, basically just the you know the background music, the movie music for I think everyone since Dumbo. 
just about everyone since wow. Dumbo. And he did orchestration for Snow White, too. So this man oh, wow. was there from the beginning. He was born in the late 1800s. So he was, you know, we see him in his white hair. And oh, yeah. Pictures. Oh, and then there's also the Mellow Man. Now, our production recordings are much more elaborate. Here on one of our sound stages, we're getting ready to record the opening of the Dog Pound sequence from Lady and the Tramp. Our animation has been completed and is projected onto a movie screen where it can be seen by our musical director, Oliver Wallace, as he conducts that very talented and versatile group, The Mellow Men. You saw little bits about oh, that, yeah. this so, great little quartet group. So yeah, so when Peggy's singing the Tramp song, all the howls, those weren't dogs, those were the, this acapella group called mm-hmm. the Mellow Men who were doing the oh 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 yeah. which I just thought was the coolest thing ever like yeah, that's a wonderful thing a dog chorus it's it's innovative yeah, it's fun I thought that was idea. really I, I I like I think that's a fun song another fun symptom scene. of how and this is the 50s so I mean music is is getting is becoming popular music as we know it but these, these more kind of like sort of pop choices or interesting or playful choices yeah. it's, it's a fun thing it's a fun departure. I mean it is interesting that they put it in the jail but you know that's I funny. mean <laughs> you know that is what it is um, and they were the actors and the voice actors and the animators were all kind of saying that like the jail was almost like very like vaudevillian like there was yeah. like some some comedic aspects and then um, well and vaudevillian especially in the fact that this is the Disney movie with the most Stereotypical accent. Yeah. <laughs> In a while. I mean, we just had what makes the red. So man they red, were but... saying like, uh, you know, well, what's what's what does a Chihuahua sound like? Well, Chihuahuas are Hispanic, so they would have a Hispanic accent. Mm-hmm. Or what does a this sort of Russian dog sound like? Well, mm-hmm. obviously it's in the name. It's a Russian dog. What the a blood... hell kind of breed was the Brooklyn dog? That's what I want to know. The one that had the New York accent that wasn't a stereotype. Which one? Oh, the bulldog. No, the bulldog was English. Oh. Yeah. What, which one had a New York accent? There was one that didn't have a foreign accent. And I don't... Because well, there's four dogs. I don't remember. There's the Russian. The You, you get it. I don't remember. Way. Anyway. I wanted to add in here as well. I know we stated at the top of the podcast that this was recorded... In July or June of 2019, pre-coronavirus, pre-Black Lives Matter, pre-all these um, wonderful movements of these voices who haven't been heard for so, so long, finally speaking out over the summer. And Ryan and I are two dumb white people. We are two stupid, dumb white people. So anything that we are saying of these stereotypes being like, not really harmful, it's all good fun, is obviously utter and complete bullshit. We have no right to say that. It is not our accents. It is not our story. And we apologize. On behalf of Disney's Follies, we apologize. On behalf of the Disney company, we apologize. Except, you know. And then, even, well, even with the uh, Tony and then the other chef, like, that was a little bit... There's a vaude- The vaudevillian comedian um, that did the voice of the main chef was actually known for his Greek characterization. Oh, Up in... If you can find that name for me, you can go ahead and drop that name yeah, for me. Yeah, um, So he did his, his big Italian thing here. And there's definitely a but, lot of... Oh, what mean, do you make of me say? But this, if kinda... this is made in Victorian time. And yeah. so, like, honest, probably this is what... These were actually from... Made in, yeah. From Italy. <laughs> right. And so, just, I want a quick, well, we'll talk about when we do this baby scene. Oh, no, 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 you're right. And so far as they have heavy accent, ac- accents because, because they're Because they ju- literally just moved here. If yeah, anything, their the English boat. is fucking amazing. Fresh off the boat. No, it's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, if we're treating them like real 
people, then yes, they're yes. perfectly fine. Yes. But uh, as characters made by white men in the 50s, you know, it is what it is. But you all know, I, Justine is a super honorary Italian. I'm a quarter oh, Italian wow. with a big sort of thing. So we, we are allowed to be okay with that one at the very well, least. I don't but, know um, if we're allowed, to, but it just, you know, it's... it's <laughs> Well, let's, I mean, the ones that take the cake, of course, the ones that are the yeah, Indians the of this movie. Indi- listen to me, the Native Americans of this movie, but you know what they called them when they made Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, originally called Nip and Tuck for whatever reason, yeah. interesting, uh, now called Sai and Am. Mm-hmm. And this is a song that you can probably call to mind even if you haven't even seen the movie yeah. because it's one of those. But boy, oh boy, it's as if it's World War II. Yeah. Uh, Not that they're Japanese, but at the same time, it's that, you know. I mean, their teeth mm. protrude in that ugly way. They've got the eyes. They're devious. It's terrible. It's really, really it's bad. It's terrible. It's and really, we really all bad. know it. We all know it. So so that's problematic. But besides that, I think this is a very <laughs> sweet movie. Exactly. We're um, going to get out of the era soon where there's this kind of thing. No, we're but... not. We're, we still live in this era. Ah, well, that's true, too. But, um, it's always that side of the I'm coin. to find his but, name. Ooh. Oh, the yeah. fella? Yeah, I, I don't see it on here. That's all right. It's, uh, but a, a famous vaudevillian comedian that, uh, and he, you know, does a great performance in the movie. Bill Thompson, who we know from Smee and the White Rabbit. Oh, yeah, he did a... He, does any, a zillion uh, He does a zillion. Anytime you're, you're like, is that? And it yeah. probably Yeah, and it is. invariably is. He plays the Scottish Terrier. He plays this and that dog. He plays uh, the policeman. He plays uh, the, 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 the co-chef. Yeah, yeah, he's all over the he's, movie. He's everywhere. Hard-working. The two leads are Barbara Luddy, mm-hmm. who was an older actress at the time, older actor at the time, who um, does a very sweet performance as Lady. Not very many credits outside of the film. And then uh, even less is this fella Jack Roberts, who was discovered by Disney folks performing in the military. And they liked the sort of sound of his voice. Now, he's, he's a good performer, but Jack Roberts barely did anything else for the rest oh, of his wow. career and died of AIDS complications in 92. That's so, really unfortunate. Which, which suggests something, and, and, you know, you could lead that to Trent potentially being an early LGBT icon, in a way. It's a great performance. Yeah. Um, an interesting character, but we'll get into that when we analyze the movie. Um, who am I missing as far as, like, voice actors, characters, um, these things? We already talked about Aunt Sarah... Oh, well, so... Oh, no, we didn't, actually. Okay. Verna Felton comes back for... I don't know if this is her last go-round with Disney or what, but, you know, back to another classic, if I may, another classic bitch, mm-hmm. uh, because she's her specialty with Disney, except the fairy godmother, who's the sweetest woman in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big range. Uh, I just found Tony. Is, it was voiced by George Gavot. Oh, George. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. That was the fella's name. So. Um, I'm trying to see who else. Uh, Stan. Oh, Stan Freeberg as the Beaver. Oh yeah. This is the only. This is it. Uh, one of those occasional instances of a famous person. Disney seems to be have been inclined to use voice actors, but um, but Stan Freeberg was an extraordinarily famous radio comedian and personality, and um. Uh, this character that he voiced essentially inspired the gopher character that he did not voice in, in future Winnie the Poohs. Yeah, um, or but, anytime there's a gopher right. or a beaver. <laughs> but he's, he demonstrates the use of the whistle for oh, the Oh, it was so cute. Camera. In the documentary, he like didn't get it, and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, let me try it again, Walt. Oh, and it was just, it was a cute little thing. Yeah, Freeberg was like, he turned into a super cute old man. He was yeah. a kind of a nerdy looking guy, but um, And then just a quick thing. So Verna Felton, mm-hmm. we already talked about, and then Lee Miller was the voice of Jim Deere, which you mentioned, but, but that... Um, that was his mo- I think that was his mother? His hmm? mother or mother-in-law. Let me see. Um, 
Verna Felton was? Yeah. Oh, Verna Felton was the mother-in-law of the person that voiced it's, Jim Deere? Oh, wait. So, his father... Hold on. Verna Felton is the mother of Lee Miller. Yeah. Oh. So that was his mom. Nepotism. Wonderful. No. Oh, I know. He does great. He does great. He does great in the movie. So, I just thought that was interesting. You were talking about the bit with the Yale and the what we had, can we conclusively find out, if which actually made me wonder when we actually developed the technology to determine the sex of a baby or sonograms and all that. Uh, These are things Disney movies make you think about. Obviously, in the Victorian and... era, they didn't have it. Um, but I love, that was my favorite sequence in a way. I love that whole bit where, is, you sure you want watermelon, dear? Oh <laughs> Get them God, some chop suey, too. Yeah. And he goes out in the snow. That's one of the winkier Disney sequences of an early it movie. It was the early 1980s. Okay. Oh, so wow. even when this film was made, it wasn't. Yeah, wow. So, that, yeah, I yeah. thought that was cute. Uh, yeah, ooh, and chop suey. Like, mm-hmm, mm, mm-hmm. yeah, watermelon chop suey in January does sound good. I gotta wonder if that's a... I don't know. We'll find That's out. what we should have done instead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and chop okay, and so a, and a drink, which um, why yeah, don't we we'll, just why don't we just do that? We'll Let me just talk drinks. about okay. we. You know, this is a staple. We have been getting slowly drunk while we talk to you, which mm-hmm. is why we're getting just very, very uh, slowly, very uh, tacitly more charming. Yeah. So this was hard because we. I struggled a lot trying to figure out what to do. Like, should I get like a lady kind of name drink and then give like Ryan I a drink one, or idea, yeah. or vice versa? Because mm-hmm. honestly, like he probably likes more of those drinks, and um, I like more of the tramp kind of drinks. Um, and we we're trying to figure them out, and then like we didn't want to do dog ones because maybe we'll do that for 101 Dalmatians. And so I found this website and this list of like 10 cocktails named after dogs. And mm. so the one that I liked. Because it kind of hit a couple of things was um, the one we ended up drinking was called the Asta Collins, mm-hmm. and so that has two ounces of vodka, five um, a half ounce of lime juice, one ounce of grapefruit juice, half an ounce of simple syrup, and half an ounce of Campari. And the reason I like this one is because like I know I like the grapefruit vodka flavors. We've had a lot of grapefruit centric forward yeah, drinks have. on this show, and I like Almost the Campari because it's ha- it has that. Hint of the Italian scene for the spaghetti. So that's why I kind of decided on this one. And it's funny with two such bitter components that the drink is actually quite palatable. I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And we picked Asta Collins because it's kind of named after the dogs in the Nick and Nora series. Uh Their dog is named Asta. And And so uh, I just thought that was, you know, an an homage, if you will. Asta was uh, played by a dog named Skippy, and Skippy was very popular. And 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 also in one of my favorite movies, Bringing Up Baby, where Skippy is credited as Asta because of the popularity of the yeah. Man movies. Yeah, so I just thought that this was a good fit because, like I said, I was trying to find like I found one called like the White Lady, and I was like, no, I don't know. And then <laughs> there was like Tramps Delight, and it was just yeah. so we decided to both kind of stick with the worth same one. So all sometime, but so, yeah, yeah, very, very tasty, nice, very pleasant cocktail. Another good if you choice. Like, this one, I you taste the grapefruit a lot more than you do with say the Paloma mm-hmm. or ones that we've Especially had in the past. We with ran the out of Campari. We have a little less in this particular edition, so yeah. it's really cutting. But so you know, not bad. Yeah, for... but I think I thought it was pretty good. So. Yeah, no, definitely another great choice. I have to, I, you know, I really should commend you at this point, Justine. You know, Justine picks all of our cocktails. I do. She researches all of them, and it's all Justine, yeah. and they always it's, are surprisingly It's because the first wonderful. few were so, like, lackluster that I was like, these have to, if this is gonna, <laughs> like, if this is gonna be our shtick, I gotta make it good. Right, for, exactly, exactly. So, so. and I do kind of tell, I know Ryan's taste, I know our taste. We do have a couple coming up that we're doing mainly for the gram, but, um, <laughs> yeah. not for taste per yeah. se, but well, that's just we dodged just a couple bullets, too. But, yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's hard to find, as these go on, it's gonna be harder to find more and more interesting ones so if you guys have any suggestions or ones that you think we should do for movies coming up way in the future that um have ingredients that are 
relatively common. I can try to find some obscure ones, but I can't find a whole cocktail of obscure ones. Especially if some of you super Disney heads that have found us have... I imagine this is this is possible. Have invented cocktails. Oh yeah, based on these things, we'll give yeah. that a I spin. I mean, and and at fifteen episodes in, you guys probably know the things that we oh, that's tend true. to drink and Anything tend to that we've enjoy. Spit out, yeah. You I mean, honestly, down. unless it's super super sugary, I'm down. Yeah. Though the one that I was thinking of when you were talking about one's future for the Graham, the one that we I'm glad we didn't do is that that blue ass Cinderella drink. But, but Ryan really wanted to do it. I kind of was like, well... It's called The Glass Slipper. If you look on any website, it's like, cocktails inspired by Disney movies. Like, this is a glass slipper when it has, like, whipped cream flavor. Whipped cream flavor vodka, right? Which I like yeah. one of those things, whipped cream. So, you know, yeah. it's one of those. But, uh, but yeah, you yeah. know, it's if it's a good cocktail, you don't taste the bad right. parts. Right, or, like, for the... De- yeah, just, yeah. So Exactly. That's what we decided on this evening. Yeah, day. So, um... Where is I'm trying the, to think. Any yeah, other like? Are there, there any other characters that you kind of want to touch uh, on? I think we can get into like actual character stuff when we talk about the movie. But as far as like actors, as far as like this and that. No, no, no I just meant that. like yeah. Okay, so and you want to start the movie? Do you want to do like a synopsis? Well, do you want to talk? We we skipped over park presence. Oh well, I thought well, this is still like the film. If you wanted to do film. Oh, I figured we just we just dissect the film after that. Whatever you want to do. Uh, let's just talk about the film. Okay. Um, so, how did you how did you like this film, Justine? I mean, how did you respond to what were your impressions? No, I you know I think because of Nelly, I'm more of a dog person now. Like, I definitely I really found myself like wanting to know in the story, and probably because I haven't seen it before. I just yeah. I thought it was a cute, a cute little cute little story about dogs, and just interesting the way dogs think with. No, being a human, mm-hmm. just seeing how, like, dogs think and are, or how we think dogs think about our dogs. Right. It was just interesting. It was quite, you know, that's the thing. I, I, I thought it was, uh, it was really quite well observed as mm-hmm. far as all the little behaviors and stuff, especially when Lady is a silent character. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you've got some cute things. I mean, yeah. I mean, so the, um, the scene when we first meet Lady is kind of, the story goes that Walt forgot a date, um... With his, well, soon, or, you know, not yet wife, Lillian. And so to kind of make up for that, he gifted her a puppy in a hat box. Really? That's that's how the story goes. Oh. Now, is that true or not? Walt liked to tell it, and Walt liked a good story. So, the um, puppy in a hat box. But the that's puppy in the hat box image that, I'll tell you, I saw it a couple times in movies as a kid. And then when you see it in movies, like usually animated movies as a yeah. kid, um, the puppy comes out, nobody had any idea it was there. And I always wondered how... How impractical an idea. Yeah. It's like, how in the world did anybody ever have that happen? Either the box is moving around, there's a pee stain through the box, right. the puppy has suffocated, like yeah. some uh-huh. something has gone wrong in right. the plan. Well, they don't have children yet, so I wonder if he just woke up first on Christmas sure. and then just... <laughs> Put it together really quickly. Well, like, had the puppy out... In, like, another I, thing, or, I like, in a closet know. or something. Put it in the box, took yeah. it down. It's yeah, yeah, possible. Yeah. I don't know. But the whole bit of, like, she didn't want to sleep alone, or you have to make sure that she, you know, uh, that she's she understands who's master, and she makes her way up the stairs, and he's like, all right, for tonight only, and then it morphs for yeah. six months later. I love that, because that is still endemic so, to so every dog-owner dog relationship. It's yes. so hard. It's all about this weird regulation of, like, boundaries mm-hmm. that, at the end of the day, the best moments with your dog are usually when you're breaking it, yeah. and you're just lying there together. You're like, all I, right, I give in. Actually, Justine, this is a very, this is one of my most passionate political positions. Oh, I do wow. not believe... 
and barring dogs from the furniture. I understand it. You don't want hair on it, but if you don't I want hair on it, don't get the couch or don't get the dog. Sure. It's a friggin', it's a living thing in your house. Mm-hmm. It wants to be around you more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Let it sit by you. You'll both be happy. Yeah. That's my position. When we had an older couch, we let Nellie on it. Um, we don't now, but also she has trouble getting on it now. Yeah, And so mm-hmm. um, she likes, you know, we, you know. She does her thing. She's she a really sweet thing. girl. She does like attention still, and so she'll get near you and, and want to play and yeah. stuff. The playing, <laughs> the playing is the part. Playing is always, I always get very, I really feel for dogs. And when they want to play and you can't play with them, like in that scene with the yarn and, oh, and yeah. Out, I mean, I feel for them, but at the same time, I have gotten exhausted by dog play. Mm-hmm. Probably more than like a lot of things that have exhausted <laughs> me. For some reason, I just, I don't have as much fun as the dog does. No, <laughs> so it's, it's never as like, fun. Um, our little, I gotta say this, our little, the, the little dog that my family currently, my parents own, and so I feel like an attachment to this dog is yeah. family, you know what I mean? Um, she, when she wants to play, she will grab a toy, she'll summon you to play, and then she'll immediately go under the dining room table and be like, mm. find me under the dining room table. And it's oh, like, okay, man. I gotta crouch, I gotta reach. This doesn't yeah. work for me. Yeah. You just made it less fun. Think yeah. it through. <laughs> Think it through, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of see her grow up, we meet her neighbors, which mm-hmm. I just like this neighborhood where the dogs are like, Okay, owner, I'm gonna go hang out together. Like, yeah. I wish I could. I wish I saw dogs just hanging out in groups. In the Victorian era, I'm sure dogs <laughs> were wandering life. out leashes all the time. Well, know. just like hang out in groups, and I love that everyone got their collar from the same store, which is probably true. It's yeah. probably one dog store. Oh, yeah, at the time, absolutely. And they're all diamond shaped, just di- slightly different colors, which I thought was cute. But you mentioned too, how Jack and Trusty. Jack, Jack and Trusty. Jo- well, have. I think it's Jock. Is it Jock or is it Jack? Let's clarify that right now because I've been saying both this episode. Um, but I, how how Jay Jay Dog and and T Bone uh, their owners are never around and yeah. at the end scene they come over for Christmas it's like and, oh hey the dogs and Jim are here Jim Deere is like oh hello yeah I guess Trusty rang the doorbell because he's it's, tall enough it's Jock oh it's yeah. Jock okay absolutely of course I don't know if they had doorbells in them so well, um, I'm not sure yeah this um, is the big question with this movie is what so did, didn't they're they all have? kind of friends and mm-hmm. you know um, she lady's showing off her collar when she finally gets it mm-hmm. and. Which is very cute, and then um, they find Lady Outside when is the next kind of jump. Like they find Lady Outside one time, and she's very kind of like uh, upset and sad, and it's because that they, she doesn't know why she's been kind of kicked out. Or yeah, what you know, because the theme of the movie is is per Joe Grant's story, she does sort of get marginalized when the baby comes along, yeah, so, and then they leave, yeah. and this this terrible aunt comes in to be cruel to the dog, and yeah, uh, so Lady gets misunderstood and 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 marginalized, and and that is a great scene when yeah. they come over and. Yeah, and kind of, like, comfort her, like, oh, well, it's a baby, and, mm-hmm. and you know, like, this will happen, but it's fine. That's our job as dogs. We take mm-hmm. care of them. The babies are fun. And then Tramp, hum- oh, so then you're also kind of seeing, like, Tramp wake up and Tramp's morning versus, like, ladies' morning. Yeah. And, like, him, he just, like, finding food and it's where does he want process, breakfast. Yeah. He has a, he gets a bone from Tony's, so, like, clearly he's our regular street dog there, and, and these um, wonderful Italian men see, so like, akin to him. That is another cartoon cliche. You grow up thinking dogs eat bones, and, of course, you can't eat bones. No, they just kind of digest them. them. Yeah, so you get the sinew, you get the stuff that's already on there. So yeah. when I see these pure white bones that dogs are after uh-huh. in, in cartoons, I'm kind of like, hmm. It's very strange. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they kind of see the contrasting mornings, and then, like, when Jock and Trusty are kind of comforting Lady, that's when Tramp kind of comes by, overhears the conversation, and he's like, ah, babies, you'll g- say goodbye-bye to your nice, yeah. comfy living situation. Stir in the pot. Because babies take that, and then that, you know, freaks her out. And then Aunt Sarah, uh, they, the baby is born, mm-hmm. 
And then um, I guess the parents go away to be like, yeah, we're, we just need a little alone time. And so Aunt Sarah watches the baby, and Aunt Sarah brings over her two cats, Cy mm. and Anne. She's and your s- big antagonistic force. The yeah. movie turns on only a couple occasions of conflict. And mm-hmm. the thing is, in a dog's life, given that it's sort of simpler, you know, being accidentally taken to the pound, having a misunderstanding owner... Having the baby come in. I mean, these are big deals in the dog's world. Yeah. And then there's just the whole romance as we go along with this, too, which is very subtly yeah. kind of handled. So, yeah. So she gets a muzzle for Lady. Lady yeah. gets upset. She runs away. The After after Cyan Am cause havoc in their household. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I was telling Ryan, like, I'm, I am allergic to cats and I see the appeal <laughs> of cats and yada, yada, yada. But, like, I'm not a cat person yeah. at all. One of my sisters has one, and it's like, it's fine. But, like, again, I made the Slytherin comment before. Like, I think I said to Ryan, I was like, this is probably why I don't like cats. Because of this movie. Because of this scene. Like, ugh. Now, just all the cats that are listening, I have only ever known, and my family's only ever owned, wonderful cats. But, to you know, it, it depends yeah, on the cat. It does sure. depend on the cat. Your so. sister has a cat that I think needs serious therapy. Yeah, for so sure. So, I'm just saying, you know, they come in different stripes. Yeah, for yep, sure. Yep, so, yep, yep. um... So then she runs away, and then her and Tramp kind of have this wonderful evening, hence mm-hmm. the Bella Noche. Oh, this is the night. It's a beautiful night. And we call it a Bella Noche. Look at the skies. They have stars in their eyes on this lovely Bellanade. Side by side with your loved one, you'll find an enchantment here. The night will weave its magic spell. When the one your love is near For this is the night And the heavens are right On this lovely bell Which is one of those Same. scenes, these movies are always very short, the actors are always very brisk, and then you find that they take these scenes that are really special, and they take up a lot of the movie in a way. Mm-hmm. They're very drawn out and long and beautiful, and this this is a big, yeah. gorgeous peak of the movie. Yeah, so uh, obviously, quintessential scene, uh, like we said mm-hmm. before, Disney was did not want it in the movie at first, but then it was added in, it's, it's classic. Um, the one thing that I had read about that is that it was the spaghetti. He thought that that was sort of like, that would be difficult. To, like, why are dogs eating spaghetti? It's mm-hmm. a, And I love the way they set up in the movie, too, where, where the guy tries to give some bones, and he's like, no. He's like, uh, this is like a, yeah. he's like you know, he's not talking to you. Oh, he is talking to me. He's telling me what he wants. It's 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 a great scene. Yeah. You know? um, so, stereotypes notwithstanding. So, obviously, that scene inspired the urban phrase, like, to lady and the trampet. Uh, it's like sharing a long piece of food, not necessarily meeting in the middle. Um, what I thought was interesting, and I can't find it now. Okay, yes. So, um, in Italy at the time of this movie, when the movie was being made, meatballs were kind of, like, very rare because meat and beef in Italy at the time was very, very expensive and hard to come by. Mm-hmm. So, if we're following 
And it wasn't until Italian immigrants came to America that they started getting meat more available and cheaper to them. And that meatballs were then added to spaghetti and spaghetti sauce. So Mm -hmm. that means that Tony's Restaurant was like one of the first restaurants in America to have spaghetti and meatballs. Sure. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So you're surprised that they're only, they have so much time, the two guys that are working there, to feed a couple dogs. Like, after hours, isn't it? No, I don't know. I liked that because I was on the Parkology website and they they had kind of a funny article about this. And it's like... Tony, who is knowingly ignoring paying human customers to feed the, to serenade these dogs <laughs> right, in the alley, right, exactly. <laughs> but I just thought the meatball thing was interesting. Like for the time for for them studying dog movement, for them painting these beautiful landscapes, to be like, were meatballs available in Victoria er, in America, Victorian? And like, yeah, sure, meatballs. And they weren't like they were, probably were not as popular yet. And the, the turn of the century, America, <laughs> although it was like. Bear. I mean, obviously, it was less crowded and less, you know, chaotic. I mean, there are almost no humans in this movie. Oh, yeah. And like, and, oh, yeah. So Aunt Sarah and, like, Tony and then um, yeah. the other show. Yeah, the couple faces and even the ones you don't see, there's still just, like, seven people, like, visible in right, this movie. Right, right. It's crazy. And so... So I just thought that meatball thing was funny, mm-hmm. so... Now, the, as we're going through the the thing with the movie, what I what I thought was really kind of weird about this movie, and the only thing that I thought was really kind of weird about this movie, is it ends really suddenly. Yeah. I mean, it's true. She's got the pound situation. There's the misunderstanding with uh, with uh, Aunt Sarah. There's the rat. But after the whole Jock and Trusty scene, all of a sudden we're like at the wrap up, and yeah. it's like I feel like there should be. Well, I else think here. what happens is because okay, so. They have that wonderful, beautiful date, mm-hmm. and then One day. Uh, they're they're running away afterwards because, or they they're on the cliff and they're like, okay, uh, maybe like maybe we should stay here. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. and then but Tramp was like, no, but look at all the extra stuff that's out there, and he mm-hmm. convinces her to run away. She accidentally gets caught by the dog owner. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get, or the I'm not sorry, by the um. Dog catcher. And she's terribly embarrassed to have an arrest on her record. Yeah, well, and then, and then we get the scene with, with uh, he's a tramp, which we've talked about already, mm-hmm. and all the different dogs there. But then we also get we find the out he's a player. Four, yes, well, we find player, out that yeah, go ahead. Tramp is a tramp. A little slut, yeah. So and but we also see what happens to dogs, and it's kind of done by, by shadow, and that this dog was put like we see the dog owner or the dog catcher taking a dog to a store that says keep out, and you know. Putting the dog down, unfortunately. Yeah. Very sad and so, another, yeah, very, very um, dark. So when she's rescued, because she does have a collar, and I guess Aunt Sarah calls because uh, Darling and Jim Deere aren't back yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and she goes back home. She is outside in a doghouse. And so I thought, we were wondering what was happening because Trusty and Jock are like, well, it's whoever she chooses will both be friends. And we're like, what? Yeah. Like, I almost thought, like, the, the Tramp and Ladies Night together imply that she was already pregnant. And that they oh, were taking right. care oh, of her. Gosh. That's what I thought at first. But then it was because that she was kicked out of their house. I was like, oh, okay. Because still, this the, very silly old-fashioned thing. Yeah, like, over um, to offer their hand in marriage. So to, that she's to protect her supported. reputation. Oh, my we, gosh. We both have comfortable homes. You're more than welcome to stay with us. It's to, funny. It's very to funny. To be inside. It was it very cute. Up. And then Tramp comes by, not realizing that she was in the pound. Mm. Or, like, or maybe realizing, but not realizing, obviously, that all of his... Secrets were told, mm-hmm. and that he is a uh, ladies' ladies' man, and mm-hmm. so she she's a little huffy towards him. That doesn't really ever get cleared up. He's sort of like, oh well, those girls, but like it doesn't really ever get yeah, like settled. Like, past, are man. you dangerously promiscuous or are you not? Your past is your past, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair. That's fair. It's, we assume that he's going to be true to lady yeah. going forward. So, um, and then 
we were, I don't, we were kind of doing other stuff. It was a cheese board, so I don't really remember. But like, she's she's chained. <laughs> I don't need to tell them that. <laughs> it was really good cheese. Yeah, <laughs> but, and there's that those really fancy the whole comments. sequence with the rat, and that's how Tramp redeems himself. Yeah, so really lady, she's trying to get to the rat that she's been, you know, mm-hmm. saving, but because she's chained up because of dumb Aunt Sarah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, fairy godmother, but you're dumb, Aunt Sarah. Her name is Aunt Sarah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she can't reach the rat, and the rat sneaks into the baby's room. Oh my god! Very dramatic. And Tramp is still around, trying to like apologize or like get on the lady's good side again. And she's like, "Oh, there's a rat going to the baby's room." And so Tramp goes into the house through the doggy door to try to fight off this rat. And it was like, and uh, the rat gets really close to like biting the baby or like brushing against it. Yeah, which he's made like me standing wonder, like, on the crib and like about the to hell jump into this the evil thing. ass rat. How in the world? And the crib gets knocked over, which is terrifying. Terrifying. Because I don't know that, I mean, uh, you know, baby, you'd have a hard time with that. But like, um, and that rat was huge. It was huge. You got to wonder, in especially in an era like that, like how in the, how often of was a problem this was this? Yeah, did rats just go into rooms and ruin babies? Ruin I mean, babies. it's just like, yeah. It's yeah, and so obviously because dogs and humans cannot communicate yet because the person who invented that mm-hmm. technology and up is has not made it no, for this movie. Not just yet. Um no, left the So obviously the, Sarah wakes up because of the huge commotion and the crib knocking over and the, but sh- all she sees is Tramp, Tramp after he's killed the rat. Mm. Uh, and she's like, "Well, this is a tra-, you know blah blah blah. You're gone calling the pound." And Lady is downstairs in the basement because she's somehow broken free, mm. but Aunt Sarah thinks it's her. And then the tramp is there. It's the whole big thing going on. And luckily at that moment, Jim Deere and Darling are coming back home. And they see Thank goodness. Tramp being carted off they to the pound. And she's like, no, that's it. I want him to take him to the pound immediately. And Lady knows what's going to happen to him because he's been one. He's been eluding this dog catcher for forever. So he's going to get put down so he's not a menace anymore. Mm-hmm. Or whatnot. So through some expert uh, nonverbal so, but then, cues. Yeah, so some... Some great event, and Jim Deere was like, uh, no, Aunt Sarah, Lady is trying to tell us something. And Lady No, is, you schmuck, get yeah. out of our house and stop ruining our dog. Yeah, yeah and so. Lady leads him right to the dead rat. And they're like, oh my God, and I guess they figure out that the yeah. dogs were trying to protect it. It's so, very patent tidy. It works and then out And then Jock and Trusty overhear this, and they're like, oh no, we were wrong. And so they're trying to chase after the truck, and then Jim Darling with Lady is trying to chase after it in their carriage. And it's, of course, it's raining because, of course, it is. Beautiful mud-strewn streets. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful shots of mud-strewn streets. And they finally catch up to them, but it's because... Oh, well, and then the whole thing, like, apparently Trusty had, according to Jock, lost his sense of smell. And they're like, it's okay, man. I know you're older. We'll find him, whatever. But but Trusty gets his sense of smell back or regains well, it or... Or he... Or he had it all helps. Had it he all along. It. I don't know what it is, but, like, that is such... That is one of my favorite moments in this. Yeah. This is such a sort of an adult dramatic moment where he's like, come on, man. We, let's admit it. We both know you've lost it. And they're like best friends. He knows a big deal. And he just looks at him in this really hurt way. And it's a really powerful moment. Bloodhounds are looking, are so bad, at, are so good at looking so hurt. That's true. Well, that's true. And then so they, but he's drooping. able to track him down because of his nose and, um, and then that's with the scene where um, he was supposed to be killed by the wagon, but thank God he was not. I don't know that I would have cut the howls because they, they're powerful, but they definitely drive home this whole this is a tragedy in a way that kind of makes the, oh, it was okay, a little weird. So I don't know. But Yeah, but I like the payoff at the end. And then so yeah. it goes to that, and Lady is looking at Tramp, and then it's kind of just, you're right, it goes to Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then it's, Tramp has been adopted by them. They have puppies, three girls, and... And Scamp and all of the girls look like Lady, and mm-hmm. Scamp looks like Tramp, and mm-hmm. 
it's Christmas morning and the baby's there and you know you have the playing with the onesie and that's the, the other way the you lady butt. and the tramp it is if you have uh, kids and your kid looks exactly like whichever gender parent <laughs> sure, it is. That's, sure, it. sure. That's, that's it that's so weird yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and then like we said before Jock and Trusty come over without their owners and mm, Trusty's kind of limping in there just have a drink with Jim Deere yeah <laughs> my favorite is like Scotch. Trusty's telling him telling them he's like oh the joke of like his his great grandpappy old mm-hmm. reliable oh, always yeah. used to say and he's like i don't know i reckon i'm I reckon I haven't mentioned over loud before, and they're like, "Actually, you have." Is the whole joke, and then the little kids are like, "No, you have it." And he just gets so excited, and he's like, "Well, now I can't even remember." Oh well, hell, yeah! Oh, well. so I like yeah. that. Pay, like that—that's worth it to me for yeah. No, that was that's the howling, good, so. nice little cute little tidy bow, and then and it's just—it's a nice little the end, and that's the whole thing. I think that that it just speaks to that synopsis hearing the movie again after watching it, it the one thing about this movie that I objected to because I really liked this movie Justine yeah it's just it is ultimately kind of funnily enough what Walt may have feared with Lady it's very very sweet yeah and the conflicts they happen and they're, they can be dark but they're resolved quickly and everything works perfectly out yeah. and only sometimes do I wish there was a little bit more I don't know dialogue about the conflict a little bit more to the movie sure other than that really lovely movie i you got to think though like this 55 it's that whole like world is our oyster thing we mm-hmm. you know it, the in the 50s america is very high on itself and very like gung-ho and positive yeah. about a lot of things yeah, yeah yeah we had so much strategy already like i can see why this is just like a a neat little bow tied up on Christmas morning. Oh, sure. Morning. Yeah, very in fashion at the you time, know, for sure. Neat little bows. But, so, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you know, no shame being a happy, wonderful movie. And, and yeah. there again, there really are some very dark moments in it. So. Yeah, and it, I, you know, it's compelling. Like you were mm-hmm. saying, that, that scene where he's like, him and Jock, and he's like, I know you can't smell anymore. And yeah. they're very, very sweet. So. Good stuff. I'd almost like to live with the characters more, too, but it's like, again, these are concise movies they're yeah. tight so. it was, it was a, like honestly this, fall asleep after this podcast will probably be as long this episode will probably be as long <laughs> we've as been yeah no we've been really succeeding at that one um and then we uh the park present so it's yeah, very it's very small um i know in the i know in world in the um pop century resorts in the 50s area there's those huge they like to do those in the value resorts those those huge uh statues of lady on one side and tramp on the other which is very cute and then as far as that the other thing, and, be, and this makes sense because he said it in Marceline, and Marceline is Main Street, USA, and I never understood why Tony's Town Square restaurant was in Main Street, USA, but now that it's in Marceline, it makes sense. So there is a restaurant based on Tony's Town Square that you could have Italian food at Walt Disney World, and that scene where after their date where they find the wet concrete and they put their paw prints... Mm-hmm. Is actually in front of Tony's Town Square as well. Oh, so they have the paw prints for Lady great. and the Tramp with the heart. I'm glad they didn't miss that. It's taken me a couple times to find it because I thought it was right in front of the restaurant, but I have found it, so I do have a picture and I'll put that up as well. Uh, neither of us have eaten at Tony's Town Square. Mm-hmm. I want to try it, but I've also heard really, really bad reviews. And oh. like Ryan said, he's part and I'm honorary because <laughs> I had wonderful, wonderful family friends growing up who we taught us how to make Italian amazing food. Italian yeah. food. Mm-hmm. So actually, the Mariner. The marinara that we usually uh, that we usually get to enjoy, I guarantee you, is better than the marinara that any of you have had. I agree. Out there, any I of you agree. Trust us, come over. So, well, <laughs> not um, a must. No, but so that's uh, that's all I know of. I don't think it's anywhere. In, uh, there might be a Tony's Town Square in Tokyo as well, but I think 
I know for sure it's in Walt Disney World. It's and, one of those movies. And that's honestly, cheap. that's it in the parks. Yeah. You're not gonna go and meet Tramp. You're not gonna go that's and meet true. Lady. The guy'd have to walk on all fours all day. It'd be terrible. Or but, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> but it's like it's like this movie. It's about these key, cute little moments. It's not about these huge breakout right, characters. Right. It's not about like oh, all the kids love it, or you can splash it over a whole bunch of rides. It's just. You'd like to see a little hint of it every yeah. year. Yeah, and, and so... Because everybody it, knows Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, and it makes sense for the, to have the restaurant. I just wish the reviews were better. Yeah. I, I might try it one day yeah. so that the food were better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's all I got for park presents. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. All right, well, we rate and then we close. We that always is our track. guaranteed it's, What are we rating? Oh, <laughs> shit. How about, like, bright white bones or something like that? I was thinking bones are, like... Spaghetti or meatball because that's. Oh, let's do meatballs. Oh, let's do accordions because of this. Is the, no, that's stupid. Let's do meatballs. <laughs> let's do meatballs. Right. I like them all, but let's do meatballs. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, you got it or? Okay. I'll cut out your thinking pause. Don't worry. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> okay, so it's a very sweet movie. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like the background a lot, so I'm gonna say three and a half meatballs. I'm always shocked by your rating. <laughs> I like it's very very sweet, but it's not a full like I didn't like you were saying it, it's. Will I watch it again? Probably not. But okay. I like I like the scenes that are sure. in it. I like that spaghetti scene. The beautiful Bella Note is just a beautiful song. Sure, that's what the extra half meatball is for. So the movie just didn't ring your accordion just, like all the way, basically. Yeah, it's just, it's a good, it's a sweet, everything's tied up movie. I just I wouldn't have expected the way we were talking that I would give it a higher rating. Yes, you would. If you've listened to this podcast. Okay, before. fair enough. Well, I haven't yet. That's a beautiful thing. But uh, I, I will I will give it four meatballs. Uh-huh. I will give it the full four mm-hmm. meatballs. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I probably would have given it four and a half were wow. it not for the abruptness of the ending. Okay. Um, because I just I just really like this one. It's especially very the beginning. Oh my gosh, my favorite bits of the movie, besides those really cool you know moments and the and the spaghetti scene and all that stuff, is is the beginning with Lady just silently kind of being. You know, a cute puppy. All the little angles, the the relationship between her and her owners. I thought was yeah. No, it's very ingenious. very sweet. Yeah, just, absolutely. But it's like you were saying before, everything's kind of tied up, and mm-hmm. that's you know, I mean, there's no conflict, which is fine. It's not a mind or not a whole lot of conflict. I right. just three and a half. Right. But a lovely movie. Lovely, lovely. I mean, a high three and a half. I'd have to go back and see my other ratings. Like <laughs> Sometimes I wish we could do quarters, but it just, you know. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I could do quarters, it would be three, seven, five. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but I think it's it's very sweet. Is it the best movie? No. It's just, it, I like that it's Disney's own. I like that they worked on it a while. I think that this lady is a cartoon cocker spaniel. It's a little bit cuter than real life ones. Oh my gosh, yes. Their hair, their ears just get so tangled, and she just looks always so smooth and put together. You know what I think is cute about her her animation is the little the little mouth with the jowls. Oh yeah, These dogs have little you know jowl mouths, and most characters don't, but it really works for her. Yeah, it really super, does. Super cute. And I just love her color scheme of the the nice dark khaki tan, but yeah. with or not khaki, but dark tan with like the turquoise blue and then gold uh, yeah. collar. Like oh uh, yeah, it's popping. I'm sure there's some really pretty Disney bounds of like mm-hmm. the color scheme. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, just really, really sweet movie. Like, mm-hmm, not one of my favorites, but not terrible. Definitely better than a lot of others, and yeah. really enjoyable. Well, uh, we uh, are going to see you next time around for Sleeping Beauty, an even yeah. more mysterious movie for me. I haven't seen it in a million years, and I don't know how good it is. I've so never seen it. We'll, we'll, this is going to be a real fun <laughs> surprise. But uh, on this lovely Bella Noche, we appreciate you having joined us. Yes, we do. Uh, please go and seek us out on all the usual platforms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we love you. Have yeah. a good time. See you real soon. <laughs>